Hello, welcome to Minding Your Mind, all about your mind and how it works and mental health and mental illness. I'm with Professor Ian Hickey, psychiatrist and co-director of the Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney. Today we're talking about climate anxiety, anxiety about how climate change might change our lives for the worse and change the planet for the worse. It's not a new thing to be scared of a big bad future event when I was growing up. Most of us were a bit scared about nuclear war. Every now and again, you'd find yourself lying in bed thinking, yikes. And then luckily it never happened and gradually the threat receded. Before that, there were other things people were scared about, war, poverty, the plague, death. Of course, recently people have been scared about COVID and which is now, according to who, I mean, not that, you know, some people still get it and get get sick, but according to who, it's kind of over. Anxiety about the effects of climate change is more common, it seems, for younger people. That makes sense because they'll be alive for longer and so have longer to deal with the effects. And of course, it's fair enough for them to think, well, you guys spent years stuffing things up. We're the ones who will have to deal with it. So if you are worried about climate change, if you have climate anxiety, You feel anxious, upset, scared, sad, angry, overwhelmed, unsure about the future. What can you do to take care of your mental health? Ian, climate change, it's a a rational thing. Like we talk about things that aren't necessarily rational to be scared of, things that are incredibly unlikely, but climate change is a pretty rational thing to be anxious about, isn't it? Yes, Mm. as was the COVID pandemic. Yeah. Interesting when you're growing up, as was the threat of nuclear war. Yeah. I remember from that period also, how polluted the planet was. Yep. Many many ecosystems, many biosystems were going to collapse under the face of pollution, holes in the ozone layer, or many other in, in, environmental catastrophes are not new. Yeah. They're different. This one, obviously, in terms of its size and its scope and the science behind it, is incredibly worrying over a longer period. Yeah. Although it's happening now. There are clear changes in climatic conditions. So- Actually, can I just another one? This is a really big one. Imagine living in uh, England or France or Germany, really, uh, during from 1939 to 1945, the Second World War, not having any idea whether your country was going to be overrun for like five or six years. That would have been terrifying, wouldn't it, growing up? Undoubtedly, there are parts of the world at the moment where that is is the reality every day. Mm. So the shorter-term anxiety about immediate threat – is one kind of anxiety. The, mm. These kind of – the climate anxiety and, – and it's important to say, if you ask young people at the moment about their biggest sources of anxiety and concern, certainly climate change is one of those. So amongst the many issues that young people say are contributing to their increasing rates of anxiety and stress is this hopelessness about the long-term future. Yeah. And that older people who are in charge seem to care about the next election or – who's paying their wage next week and have not much concern about these longer-term generational Mm. issues. So, boy, it's out there. It is certainly differentially affecting. Many older people saying, well, I won't be around. I don't think that's quite fair. I think many older people also. Grandparents are saying, well, my grandparents, you know, I am concerned. Mm. But many younger people are saying, well, really, it's going to play out for us. Yeah. And it is the source of my anxiety. I think you've raised the first thing. Is it really the source of the anxiety or is it the focus of anxiety oh, now? Very interesting, yeah. Because there have been focus 
of anxiety. And of course, I'm not. That's not to say those folks are genuine. You raise the Second World War. If you're currently living in the Ukraine or you're currently living in another country that's under threat, you got real reasons to be anxious right now. Mm. So sometimes the external environmental factor is real and immediate. In this case, it's real but prolonged. But simply to say, okay. Worst of all, there's nothing to be done. My anxiety is justified. Therefore, I can't do anything. That, that, that's a bit of a self-defeating position for your mental health, isn't it? Got it. It's good to be unhappy and anxious. Yeah. It's justified. Justified. So I should And be. therefore, yeah, therefore, there's nothing I can do. I'm going to stay in this Because it's too big. It's too big. No one's fixing like it. Like I can study for my exam that's within my control, but I can't do anything for, about this. And it defeats any attempt to rationalise it. Yeah. I don't care what you say. Just read the most recent reports. The world's falling apart. You know, the glaciers are melting. The mm. world is changing. And you guys aren't doing anything about it. You guys in charge, et cetera, et cetera. So my anxiety is entirely justified and is continuing and will probably get worse. This is not good <laughs> for your mental health. No, it is not. Whether or not it's true or not. Like it might be true, it, it might true. not be not true, but it it's is. not good for your mental health. Yeah, so it doesn't help to say to young people, well, don't worry about it, <laughs> or it's not true, which might have been the position of many governments and certain hmm. world leaders. It isn't true. It doesn't exist. <laughs> that, not helpful. I wonder actually, just as a sidebar, whether over the last year there has been any change in the rate of climate anxiety, moving from a federal government that is perhaps less active to one that's has it higher up on the agenda, whether that has resulted in people feeling less anxious about it, I wonder. I don't think we know that yet, but you've raised a really interesting point, not just a change in federal government, but we clearly had a series of independents elected. We have a mm. new national discourse about an expectation of action. Yes. And we have political players now who are much more central to that discussion, actions we must take. So we have federal governments, we've had conservative state governments in places like New South Wales and others say that's where we're going. So that must help a bit with anxiety. Things are happening. One of the outcomes of that, you would hope, would be less anxiety about yes. because there's evidence of action. So the classic for us is if you want to make anxiety worse, do nothing, sit there and worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the problem exists, taking action to deal with the problem in your own world certainly has the mental health benefit of reducing anxiety. Yeah. Not to say the problem isn't there, not to say the problem isn't real, not to say much more substantial action isn't required. Obviously it is. But the moment we start individually and collectively to take actions, then the degree of anxiety goes down, mental health goes up. So I do think the change in the Australian setting and you might say in the international setting with the Biden presidency and others is to say it's a priority. Americans, Americans are now spending, I can't even get my head around this, trillions of dollars on radically changing their economy mm. and, and investing in renewable energies, et cetera. There clearly is action, including in some of the world's biggest economies and biggest issues. I said a great story this morning, South Korea. I didn't know this. The seventh biggest user of current fossil fuels is going to turn its economy green within a certain period of time. Great. Huge manufacturing base, et cetera, to create a green mm. economy. There is clearly evidence of action. So so it's good to, I guess, if you're feeling anxious, to, to look at that stuff and be aware of it and maybe that helps the anxiety lessen. Yes. What else happens in anxiety is often the selective use of information. Definitely. I only read the bad stuff. I saw all the stuff 
about the glaciers melting. One guy got eaten by a shark, even though a million people didn't. You'd Correct. think about that one guy. Or in this case, you've raised important things. I would say even in the last 12 months, you can see considerable actions yes. by big players, major players, on renewable energy, on product issue. Now, whether that you think the pace of that is sufficient or the scale of that is sufficient or what will happen, important from a cognitive point of view to recognise that, that, that actions are taking place. Mm. And the, the counterbalance to anxiety and to selective thinking is actually a more realistic appraisal of what is happening. So there's a classic anxiety uh, strategy for dealing with anxiety, a cognitive strategy of identifying your, your negative pessimistic thoughts and combating them with, uh, with evidence that suggests the opposite. With evidence. Yeah. With evidence that provides a countervailing point of view, a counterbalance. Yeah. Not denialism, <laughs> not the exclusion of evidence or the making up of fake news, <laughs> you know, not, not putting up stuff that's fake, but trying to see across the breadth of activity. A more balanced. A more balanced view or where there is evidence of movement in a positive. I mean, I'm, my, my own approach to this at the moment would say I'd take all of that as evidence of movement in a positive direction. Yeah. Is it sufficient yet? My guess would be no, that the international panel on climate change would say it's not enough yet. It needs to be faster. It needs to be bigger. But I would take the view clearly, clearly in the last two or three years, there have been major changes in direction in the financial sector, in the global sector, in the biggest economies of movement in that direction. And and it may be, I mean, one of the, um, one of the characteristics of anxiety is repetitive intrusive thoughts. And if you continue to have repetitive intrusive thoughts about the doom of anxiety, having not 18, but three, for example, bits of evidence you can come back to and just remind yourself of as a, as a, a counter argument can be useful. So we've just- Because eight is too many, but you can remember three. You can go back to two or three. You, you've just raised one. Clearly there's a change in the Australian national discourse. Mm. And we are now party to an international discourse. People around the world, have, I've been around the world a few times and people have noted this. Oh, you're back with the reasonable people. <laughs> You know, Australia's rejoined the reasonable yeah, people yeah. Right. of trying to deal with this instead of having its own crazy little denialism. Yeah. Good. That's one positive aspect. I am a person who's kind of interested in the science technology kind of bit. There are technological advances that people are looking at alternative energy sources and how you scale those up mm. and how they would replace. They get into, you know, battery development and other It's clearly investments. Have we solved the problem yet? No. Is there, however, considerable work in that area? Yes. <laughs> Is there also mitigation of some of the impacts of immediate climate change. Yeah, people are looking at how to mitigate. Mm. Damage has been done. People are looking at how to mitigate those changes. How do we live with some of the changes that have happened? So these are all positives. You mentioned three. There's three. I would say to keep in one's head and in keeping one's heads with dialogue with others who immediately have a tendency to go to the catastrophic. Have you seen the one about where the world ends? <laughs> Where the glaciers all the melt. That's Have you right. seen the one where all the insects are gone? There's no birds, and the world ends. You go, and yeah, look. I know that makes great media, but let's try and also keep some, keep some balance, and also be respectful of the extent to which humans have tended to sort these issues over generations. Whether we can now is an open challenge. But on the other hand, I am more optimistic that humans, when faced with a really bad situation, have tended on the whole to cope. Finally, well, we're still here. Late, <laughs> yeah. to get their act together. So that's one strategy: dispute anxious thoughts, and that can be used for any sort of 
uh, anxiety. There's more on it in our episode on anxiety, which is one of the very first uh, we did. Uh, disputing anxious thoughts works for some, never worked for me. It All it meant was that the thing I was anxious about took up a higher percentage of my brain power as I argued back and forth. Yes, but on the other hand, but on the other hand. So a different strategy is distracting, just accepting that anxiety about climate is taking up too much of your mental bandwidth and being aware of that and endeavouring when you start to think it again or you read something and you're triggered to actively not argue back, but just take your mind away to to something else. That's a different strategy, right? Yes. To engage in alternative other activity. Yeah. And activity is probably easier than thoughts rather than I'm going to think about something else. It's You would agree, wouldn't you? It's much easier to do something else. I do. I am absolutely – people say don't think about that. I think it's the greatest introduction to I'm definitely going to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Or stop thinking that. Mm. Really? Whereas actually our brains are set up that if we're doing something else. Yeah, juggling. You can't juggle and, and think everything about climate change. Yeah, it's very hard. Very hard. <laughs> Interesting you say that about motor activity. You know, concerted motor activity, one like juggling and complex things, you know, if you're really good at something, playing a musical instrument, doing yeah. anything, particularly good at sport, or whatever, go run around, do other well, you stuff. You have to be good at it. You just have to be able to do it. Intensively. I'm not a good juggler, but – in fact, if you get too good at it, you'll you be get able to do it. Thoughts. That's true. If you get too good at it. Okay. Pick something you're not very good at. You're yeah. trying to improve your skill at. And it takes it requires all your concentration. concentration and you've got to move. You've got to move your hands and you've got to do stuff or talk. Yeah. Yes. Get engaged in another activity to stop the pattern of thinking. Yeah. Don't sit with it. Yeah. Preferably pleasurable, preferably immediate, preferably direct. That stops that chain of anxious preoccupation Distract. that you were stuck in. Mm. You call it distraction, and you've used that term a lot, and I'm thinking, oh, no. mm, I'm going for the alternative activity. Okay. But 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 also I think with – like if You're you stopping s- a pattern of thought. What you're really doing, you're calling it distraction, I'm calling it – you're actually doing something really important cognitively is you're stopping the activity, that little circle that's run around in your head, yeah, which right. has got a whole neural circuit. You're forcing your brain to do something else. And, and if you do that enough, am I right, you kind of – instead of climate the climate – becoming the natural thing you think about when you're not doing anything else. If you just if you do alternate activity enough, you can kind of rewire your brain away from that. Correct. Yeah. And we think that's correct, but that's yeah, sounds right. Best what? we can tell it is true. If you're anxious about, I don't know, a shark attack or whatever, you it's it's kind of it's almost easier to take your brain away because you know thinking about sharks isn't useful. But I think one of the problems with climate anxiety is that people think, I need to think about this because it's important, you know, and I, I need to think about the climate because I need to be an informed citizen and I need to be able to talk to people about it and find out what I can do. And and that, it almost, they justify themselves in their own anxiety loops. Anxious people do that all the time. Yeah, it's true. They do it about shark attacks too, actually. Hmm. Got to check the shark alarms. Got to check where the sharks have been. Yeah. <laughs> Just to convince myself there aren't really sharks there. In our street. There are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the problems with anxious preoccupation is, is exactly that. You feel like you should. You get dragged into more and more activities around the thing that you're most anxious about. Mm. So I think this is where the you're calling it distraction, I'm calling it alternative activities. You break the pattern of thinking. That thing is no longer the thing in your head yeah. with all the associated things sitting around it mm. or other activities. So a problem 
if you like. I'm in favor of taking actions in an appropriate way, but you can see this sometimes, and we've seen this in environmentalism over the years. People can become totally preoccupied with those things. Yeah. To the point that they stop enjoying anything else, the point they stop doing anything else. And they feel it's almost wrong to enjoy anything else. How can I when the planet's frying? Yeah. A, a friend sent me a really interesting painting during the COVID period oh, yeah. where she felt everyone was so preoccupied with the world ending, they'd lost the plot to be able to enjoy what they did today. And it's, a, it's a painting from Western Australia of people just sitting on a beach, meditating, mm. enjoying the fact that just the surf comes in and out. Mm. It's meant to be meditative. But it's also about there are huge challenges. We as humans and the world has faced huge challenges every day. We have challenges, global security. We have all sorts of problems in the wider world. But at some point, you have to stop and enjoy what you're in with some degree of confidence, even if it's not if it's overconfidence, <laughs> that you'll still be here tomorrow. Yeah. But if you completely fail to enjoy today, if you completely fail to live in the moment today, you kind of miss the point. So, so what would your response be? And I've had these discussions with people where I go, how are you going? And they go, well, you know, I just read that in uh, some country they've lowered their emissions target and, oh, my goodness, I mean, what are we going to, you know, and off they go. And it's the same every time. And you want to say to them, you know, I reckon if you thought about this a bit less and took some, you know, that you'd be happier and you'd enjoy your life more, are are there ways to have that conversation that can, I suppose, help people recognise that they're getting a bit obsessive and it's doing damage to their mental health? Yeah, so I often find myself in that conversation. People say, nothing's being done, we've got to do more, be more active, and we should feel bad about the fact of everything we're doing. Yeah. <sighs> you know, can we keep things in perspective? To which I tend to reply, well, I think there are actually things happening. So mm. I, tend to, I tend to throw in the kind of uh, examples we used a little while ago. There are things happening. And historical perspective, we have faced many challenges over time and action is happening. And one doesn't need to feel bad about trying to live the best life that you can live today. That's not an irresponsible thing to do. In fact, just recently, yeah. you know, in another separate conversation, uh, someone put to me the proposition, I wish people would be more responsible for living their own lives today. <laughs> yeah, it's a good call. And I went, yeah. We'll come back in another episode of the exact situation, but I went, yeah, I wish they would. There's a responsibility to kind of live your life now. It's yeah. not without concern for others. It's not without concern for things like climate or for wider society. But there's a kind of, you know, putting your own house in order, <laughs> taking responsibility well, for the I first bits. I feel like saying to that people, well, you know, if you're lucky, you'll be dead before it happens. <laughs> and But it's, it, I wish I did say that in a way, perhaps in a less blunt way, because it makes you think, actually, the thing I should really an- be anxious about is the fact that I've only got X years left and I'll feel like a real dick if I'm lying on my deathbed and I think, I just spent the last 20 years worrying about something that I'm not even going to experience because I'm dying. Yes, it may seem a little selfish for those of us at one end of the life to be saying those kind of things, but I think that's exactly where you're coming from. And we do, so the perspective, the loss of perspective about how do we fit in yeah. to these bigger challenges? Yeah. What's our own role in that? How do we both be participatory and concerned, but not lose the plot, not lose all perspective? So I think the example of this kind of anxiety gone wrong, as with environmental anxiety gone wrong in a previous age or anxiety about mm. global security gone wrong, you can take – these things can become extreme 
and people's lives, they can stop living their life. Yeah. And, and, in, and in a sense, take the pleasure out of life in a negative sense, have low mental health and well-being as a consequence of not that's not legitimate to be concerned about those things, but to lose perspective completely about how you live your own daily life. Now, you've spoken before that taking action is really good for your mental health, even if the action isn't that big. So, for example, with climate, you think, oh, what can I do? But if you do some things, even things that have a – you know, might make a minute difference or you, you know, join a group that's lobbying the government and whether or not that lobbying is successful or not, merely the fact of doing it improves your mental health and is likely to decrease the anxiety. Is that right? Yes. So the participation, and I think this is the point, it's the participation without knowing the outcome. Yeah. I mean, we saw this in community action around the independents running for parliament last time. Lots of people took community action. Some people stood up and said, I'll put the person, oh, I will actually stand for parliament. I'm actually going to do yeah. it. But what was really interesting is to find 5,000 or 50,000 people said, right, I'm going to go out and campaign with that person. I'm gonna... Now, whether that person electing an independent actually makes any difference or not to the national policy is not the point. The fact that people took those actions, participated in terms of their mental health and well-being, much improved. Yeah. I, I I met a couple of people who were involved in some of those campaigns. They were flying in that month. They you know, it. the couple of months and the month after they go, oh, I'm doing this and, you know, it's really important. In fact, I uh, was talking to one of the uh, those independent members who's now got this whole workforce and um, they're going, what can we do next? <laughs> yeah. Like, we were focused on the election and we're focused on the well, yeah. uh, on the goals, transparency and climate change. But what do we do next? We yeah. so loved, we so loved being part of a movement that was actually doing something. And it was very pro-social and very not not for personal gain. They're doing yeah. it for community. They loved it. Volunteering. They loved it with with purpose. That would be a challenge because they don't have the balance of power. So, you know, I'm sure there's lots you can do. But this but there's is the also point about the outcome. See, do. if you said the outcome was to get the balance of power, and if they didn't get the balance of power, they don't count. No, this is good. where some of the political discourse on some of our, you know, media assets drives me right, nuts. Right, right. That's not the point. Right. In fact, those people are clearly vocal in the parliament. Whether they, yeah. the government lives or dies by it or not, that sort of political football contest is not, I would suggest, the main issue. Mm-hmm. The fact that community is participatory with those groups, independent of the pre-existing political kind of systems we've had, mm-hmm. and that there are communities behind them that want to be involved, that are pro-social and they're proactive, but they're volunteering. So their mental health is great. Climate's just one of the issues, transparency in government. I, I like them because guess what? Guess what they're the issues they're all really interested in? Mental health. Mental health and well-being. Hey. Thank you, Zoe Daniels, Sophie Scombs, Kylie Tink, and others. Good. <laughs> in that. Allegra Spendra, yeah. David Pocock, Jackie Lambie. Guess what they all care about? Katie Cheney. I kind of get into there. <laughs> There's more. I love it. And they're only the ones who got elected. Yeah. There were more. They were picking up a community issue, one of which was mental health and well-being. Yeah. Good. Fabulous. And I think that says something about the promotion of mental health and well-being. We have all these threats, which we start this episode with a big one. Climate, the big one. We have many threats, geopolitical threats. We have other issues we face in uncertainty in the world economy. And, and let's, let's, people love saying, oh, we've never faced threats like this in 2023. Really? Try 1406. Black in, Plague. Yeah. When, you know, the wherever you live, Spanish there was flu. some army coming to kill you and – you know, and, and also you didn't know whether you were going to get through the winter every year because it was so cold and there wasn't any food. So, you know, big threats now, big threats pretty Historical much perspective would help. Yeah. We live longer, more productive lives than we've ever lived. Yeah. That's the, there's more lo- to be anxious. You know, <laughs> you, 
<laughs> I've already. You can worry about the long-term future because you got one. Well, we've both out, already outlived the average age for most of human. Like, you know, they are, you don't have to worry anymore in 1406. You'll be dead at 40. So, 40? 30. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So to be concerned about the external world, great. In terms of dealing with it, participate. Mm. See the positive. Get involved. Be part of those things. And then, but I think this other thing about, uh, I love this picture I've got in my home now of just sitting on a beach and contemplating in the face of yeah, other no, things, of you know, taking time out to enjoy what it is that we are. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, but one final thing, identify your triggers is important. If you find that this anxiety is taking up a lot of your, your brain space, a lot of your time, if you can work out what triggers it, and it's often something in the news, maybe just watch less or consume ne- less news for a while. Like the world's still going to turn. It's not as if... You know, if if you don't know exactly everything that's happening in the world, anything bad's going to happen. Something good might happen. You'll I do. I must say, I could ask that quite often. Have you seen the latest disaster documentary? How the world's going to end? Yeah. No. I mean, no. <laughs> I think I watched a rom com instead. <laughs> kind yeah. of. And now that might sound a bit throwaway and a bit lacking concern, lacking seriousness. You know, what sort of an antisocial, disconnected human are you? Not really. There's a kind of attending to one's mental health and well-being every day. Yes. So I think you're raising a good point. If you're particularly sensitive to that, if you know you're particularly distressed by it, you do not have to engage and consume all of that media. Yes. You know, it's a bit like, just people, aren't you concerned that when you die, you're going to go to hell? I go, no. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. No. You should be. I go, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to engage with you in that particular conversation because it's not actually a helpful one. I don't find that a helpful way of thinking about the world. But people challenge you all the time. I use that sort of religious kind of fundamentalism example. But people challenge you all the time. You should take more initiative. You should be more worried about this. And then actually I'm going to attend to my own mental health and well-being by balancing the things on the input Mm. side. I mean, if there's a natural disaster anywhere, then it's awful. But, if yeah, some people get quite – is the word righteous? Like, do you know, oh, do you know everything about that terrible thing that happened in Peru or uh, Mongolia or wherever it is? And I'm saying, well, no, there's nothing I can do about it. And I've got enough bad stuff in my life without finding more that I'm that when it isn't going to in any way help for me to. Yeah. So the challenge is the challenge is we are built brain wise, neurobiologically, for small world operations. Yeah, what, right. what immediately is around us, what affects us. And it's hard for us to think about and actually develop a sort of global self. That's not really the way we operate. We don't really identify mm. that easily with many of the other challenges that are being played out in other places in the world. Not yeah. that we shouldn't be concerned, not that we don't, that, but that's one of the human challenges we face mm. is acting collectively in a global way when we don't really think and act that way. Yeah. We act locally. On the other side of the coin, you want to have mental health and well-being, be very involved locally and active. Yeah. And connected. Make a difference where you Make can. a difference where you are. Yeah. Great. Thank you. If you've got any questions, comments, if you'd like to suggest further topics, and lots of people have done that, we really appreciate it. And we've we've done a few of them and we'll do more. Send us an email at mindingyourmind2. That's mindingyourmind numeral2 at gmail.com. Our book, Minding Your Mind, written by Ian and myself, is, is available, covers lots of the things we talk about. Our podcast is supported by the generous philanthropic donations from families who support ongoing research into youth mental health. Further help's available from Headspace, Beyond Blue, Head to Health and Lifeline. Just Google them or you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14.